Thanksgiving. Oh, it's so tasty. It's so good. And it's also so exhausting. And depending on your family, it might also be a little extra spicy, right? We never know when we get our families together what's going to happen. But, but Thanksgiving, what would it be, though, without some spice? Specifically, what would Thanksgiving be without salt? I mean, I like salt, and I salt just about everything that I eat. In fact, I often, as many of you might do too, I grab the salt before I've ever tasted the food, and I begin salting it. And I know that's not good for me. I'm aware of that. Uh, I know it's not good for your blood pressure, but I mean, let's be realistic. Look at me. Um, I don't look like the per kind of person that's really bothered by that, <laughs> and I'm not. So I, I just, uh, I almost this morning had to bring back my rolling chair that I used to teach from in the movie theater um, because it would have been easier to move around the stage today if I could just roll. <laughs> it's been, I had, I also had a lot of rolls too. It was just a good Thanksgiving. Um, so since we were able to all make it here after that enormous caloric overload that we had on Thursday, then we might as well go ahead and finish this series out. And, uh, as we're looking at what we've been talking about in November, and we've been asking this question, is it me or not me? That's where we got the title of it, Me or Not Me. And we started the series by talking about how God describes himself as the potter and how we are the clay. And so if God is the potter and we are the clay, then here's the question, what is he making of us? And then we could also ask the question, what does he call us? So here's where we got this. How does he, Jesus, describe what he is making? How does he describe us if we are the clay? How does he describe what he's making? Now, throughout November, we have looked at many of the different ways that Jesus describes his followers. And as we've gone through it, we have paused every week several times and asked the question continually, does that description accurately describe me? Is it me or is it not me? And so, can we accurately be described as a servant of Jesus? We talked about that, a friend of Jesus. We mentioned being a family member with Jesus. And one of the big things about that was, are we obeying those commands he's given us? And are those things, as he has described us, truly describing ourselves? Because one of those, the one we looked at last week, he said, you are the light of the world. Now. Those early followers of Jesus, man, they really did change the world. I mean, think about it. Whether you believe, whether somebody believes in the legitimacy of Scripture or not, there is no doubt that the world today is different because of this movement of people that started in the first century of following Jesus. Now, while we personally might not feel like that we've changed the world like Peter did or Paul did, we have to ask this question, though. Well, maybe, though, let's look at your family. Has your family changed? Has your work environment changed? Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you're there. Students, have you encouraged someone in their following Jesus at school this year? Or how about a friend group that you're a part of or a team that you're a part of? How has that made a difference because you're following Jesus? So this 
idea of being a servant, a friend, a light, Jesus kind of summarized that whole thing with the command for us to go and love people and and be that servant, be that light, be that friend. Now, those descriptions either describe us or they don't describe us. And if that's what the potter is making as part of his masterpiece and his design, how does your life, how does my life compare to what Jesus wants for his masterpiece? And this morning, appropriately, and you will see soon, we're going to be ending this series with this one additional description we get from Jesus concerning his followers. And it's mentioned uh, uh, in week two that everything from this morning is taken from one of the most well-known teachings of Jesus, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount is uh, not overly concerned with what one believes. Have you ever noticed that? The Sermon on the Mount is actually focused on what one does as a Christ follower. Now, here's a quote that I want to read you. This quote uh, is from a very famous theologian from the 1800s, and um, we still use his commentaries today. Listen to what he says about this section of Scripture that Jesus is teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. This chapter, he says, and the two that follow it are a sermon, a famous sermon, the Sermon upon the Mount. It is the longest and fullest continued discourse of our Savior that we have upon record in all the Gospels. It is a practical discourse. There is not much of the credenda of Christianity in the the things to be believed, he says, but it is wholly taken up with the agenda of things to be done. That's Matthew Henry. I like how he said, it's the agenda of things to be done. And it's interesting. It's not things to be believed. It's things to be done. The agenda for a follower of Jesus. Now, it's not what I believe in this this Sermon on the Mount. It's not what I think. No, 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 no. It's focused on what I do, the things that I do. So, do you want change in this world? Do you want change in your family? Do you want change at your job? Do you want change in your school? Then Jesus is telling us, then do something. And the whole point of this series has been this, that we can get a really great start if we begin to do the very things that Jesus describes for his followers. So last week, he talked about light of the earth, and within that same description, Jesus then says this in chapter 5, verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, like I said, appropriate for being after Thanksgiving. We couldn't have picked a better topic after our Thanksgiving meal, right? I use a lot of salt. Now, but we, we really don't take salt too seriously today. I mean, really, for us, it's just a flavor, right? It adds a little bit. But make no mistake, 
Salt has been one of the most important elements in the history of the world. Um, wars have been fought over salt. Entire economies had been based upon salt. This, this person that existed in Rome about the time Jesus was walking around Jerusalem, his name was uh, Pliny the Elder, and here's what he said about salt. He said, without salt, human life cannot be sustained. It was so important in the first century. Salt could literally be the difference of life and death, when, especially when it came to the fact that there was not always fresh food available. So, and here Jesus tells all of his followers, he says, listen, hey guys, ladies, gentlemen, you are the salt. Now, because among the many attributes of salt, maybe he told us this because salt preserves. We know this. We utilize this even today. We don't think about it much because we get everything from the grocery store. But salting meat is a very old, a very common activity. It preserves that meat from corruption. It preserves that food from rotting. And here Jesus describes um, his followers as the salt of the earth, the ones who will preserve. And we have to ask, is that me or is that not me? See, salt was vital to the ancient world. And well, really even to us, the not so ancient world, because salt preserves. It preserves. Salt kind of kills that bacteria that could be growing in food, and thereby it preserves that food. Salt um, made what would become useless become useful. Now remember, Jesus offered uh, this invitation to his the people who were around him when he said, we had a whole series on it in October, he said, follow me. And now, which is why we wanted to do this series after October, Jesus is describing what, what attributes those people will possess if they really are following him. He said, you, my followers, you are going to be like the salt of the earth. You will preserve. You will, uh, you're, you're going to prevent corruption. You're going to confront evil. And sometimes we hear this and we're like, yes, I knew it. I knew it. And I'm going to get out there like I'm supposed to, and I'm going to confront all the evil because I got a lot of evil around me, right? You're like, I'm going to get them all. And yes, yes, I, mean, I think that is part of being the salt of the earth. We are about that. But we can't simply ignore all the other teaching that Jesus had inside of that passage where we pulled these descriptions. And I want to quickly read, because listen to, uh, to other things. We're not going to read the entire Sermon on the Mount, but listen to this portion that came before you are the salt of the earth. He says this. I'm going to read it quickly. It'll be on the screen for you. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. He blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. We 
can't ignore the fact that in this teaching we have of Jesus, before he says you're the salt of the earth that's going to preserve, that's going to confront you know, some evil, before you do that, you can't ignore the fact that he says, um, yes, yes, that is going to happen, but there's also all these other things that have to be, this posture that you're going to have is not a posture of confrontation. It's a posture of mourning, a posture of being humble, a posture of justice, thirsting for justice, of working for peace, a posture of living with a pure heart. That's the posture if we are going to work for as in the earth and being uh, preserve and, and preserving and, and then confronting the evils of the world. But salt does something else. This is what we're more familiar with, salt flavors. The followers of Jesus all around the world, um, you know what should be happening? We should be making the world better. I mean, just think about Thanksgiving without salt. We don't want to. That would be flavorless, right? But we are adding flavor, should be adding flavor to the world around us because we are in this world. And Christ's followers should be living in such a way as we are walking about this world that we pause and we consider. As, as we're living what we are doing should be making a difference, making things better. As someone else observes our life, maybe in their mind they begin to think, well, what's, what's different about them? At which point, as we talked about as we ended our series in October, we must be ready to give an answer according to 1 Peter chapter 3.15. Why are we different? You see, salt does add flavor. It's just simply what it does. Followers of Jesus should be different. God is different. Just how different is God? God is holy. Listen to, to this description here um, in 1 Peter chapter 1. He, Peter says, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. The scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. And listen, if we're living like Jesus, we're going to be different. So if that's the case, how do we actually get this saltiness, this flavor out there? How do we get out? How, how do we broadcast this salt? And honestly, part of the answer to that is that one word, broadcast. You, you know, this is true about salt. It is meant to be broadcast. We don't take salt and place it with tweezers a grain at a time, do we? No, we shake that stuff everywhere. <laughs> we, we just go. And if we don't see it coming out, we just shake it harder, right? We, we, we broadcast it. We don't, we, we're not stingy. We don't place it a grain at a time. And, and, and well, you might do a pinch if, you're, if you have high blood pressure, but that's a whole nother message. That's not this one. We broadcast the salt here, right? Jesus wants it thoroughly broadcast everywhere. 
to cover everywhere. And we do it, we broadcast it with salty words. Wait, not those kind of words. <laughs> Isn't it funny how even just that very phrase, salty words, it, it's, it's changed meanings. Because according to Jesus, this is a good thing. But somehow it has become turned into something that is, uh, 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 that is kind of coarse, that is sharp. That's not what he's talking about. The salty words Jesus are talking about, they're words that add flavor. Salty, but we don't make somebody thirsty for Jesus. But we don't just use words. We also broadcast salt through our actions. Actions that preserve. Actions that add flavor. Actions that also make people thirsty. And here's a side note. Doesn't the gospel, as salt, add flavor and preserve? It preserves the life of the one who submits to it, right? It does. But for the one who rejects the gospel, that salt, it's like salt on a snail. You see, the result then is death and judgment. It's the very same substance, the gospel. The only difference is the one upon whom it lands. Salty words, salty actions. There is perhaps a, another kind of salt that Christ followers are called to have. Another kind. Salty tears. The question there would be, is your heart broken over those who are not yet connected to Jesus? Now, I'm not sure if this morning is supposed to be motivating or convicting or compelling. I, I just don't know. But just maybe, just maybe, if you're a follower of Jesus, just maybe, None of us should step foot outside of our homes unless we know on that day we are taking the master with us, ready to broadcast his salt. And then one day, one day when we're gone, we will have left many lives around us forever salted and preserved, forever different, forever changed. But right now, you are here. You are here right now. You are right, and I would say right where you should be. But have you thought about this? Jesus clearly describes his followers as salt. We talked about then last week, light. So it's rather silly to consider spending our lives isolated from the rest of the world. I mean, it, it's kind of, it, it, it appears with this description Jesus is giving us kind of silly for us to only be involved in Christian things, to only be involved in Christian clubs or Christian groups or Christian uh, workout places, Christian uh, just separating ourselves from everything around us. 
Because then it's just kind of like salt doing nothing. It's just laying there. It's, it's in that state of just being there, almost worthless. It's still in the box. It's like a salt convention. All the salt just huddled up together on the shelf, you know? It's half, you know this, salt in order to be useful, it has to be broadcast. It has to be used. It has to mix and mingle with everything around it out there in order to season anything. Which is why, and I know Cole said this last week, but I just echo it. I am so proud to be a part of Stuttgart Harvest Church. Because we're not part of the salt convention. We're not. We know that Jesus must go with us to work on Monday. And he has to be with us as we walk the block of our neighborhood. He has to be with us in order to be the salt of the earth. And he has to be with us out there. Seasoning the earth. Seasoning lives around us. And at Stuttgart Harvest Church, we're not that salt that's hidden away inside the cabinet. We're just not. But I know that sometimes we think thoughts like this, but I, I, I don't have anything to offer. Sometimes people look at, at the teaching team, somebody on the teaching team teaching and say, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. Or someone on one of our worship teams leading in worship and saying, I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. And someone saying, I, I, I don't even like to talk in public, even at the grocery store. I, I, you might say, I have anxiety or I'm sick. I'm ill. I, I have things wrong with me physically. Or you might say, I'm not popular. You might say, I'm shy. I, I'm not self-confident. I'm not wealthy. I, I, you might think that they have an advantage. You might say, I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. I don't even like kids, you might say. But listen, let me say this as gently and as graciously possibly can. You're wrong. You are salt. Everything about you, as you sit right now in that seat or as you're listening online, everything about you is yours. Now, not everything about you that has happened to you is great, but it's yours. And it is part of your story. It is yours to be used to help you broadcast that salt that you are. And you can take that bad position and make it a good position from which to broadcast salt. You can use all of your ups and you can use all of your downs. You can use all of your success and you can use all of your defeats. You can turn each one into a platform, into a conversation that ultimately glorifies God as salt of the earth. You have bad health? 
it can still glorify God. You have a disability, it can still glorify God and help you broadcast salt through a conversation. You have a sickness, it can do the same thing. And all of these things can be used to broadcast salt. And guess what? They are yours. So use them. Do you hate your job? You're not alone. Find another person that hates their job too and go encourage them as salt of the earth as you point them towards Jesus. Are you getting bullied at school? You know what? You're not alone. Someone else is too. Go find that person. Have you been forced to declare bankruptcy? Is your relationship on the edge and you're not sure it's going to exist? Or have you been a part of a broken relationship? Listen, listen to me. Are you single? Are you married? Are you newly single? Do you have kids? Do you have no kids? Do you want to have kids? You can't have kids? I, I, I don't know your story, but I do know this. It is your story, and you can use your story to help point people to Jesus. Followers of Jesus can use everything that has happened to them that's been good, that's been hurtful. They can use that to help broadcast salt. So we have to ask, this either describes you and describes me, or it doesn't. Me or not me. And if it's not you, if it's not describing you right now, let's go back to this description of Jesus for a moment. Uh, if it's not you, listen to what Jesus says. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? Jesus is saying salt that's lost its, its uh, flavor is really, it's of no real use because it has become tasteless. Another word for this translation um, is the word, uh, as you translate that word, it, we could use the word foolish. It's just foolish. Jesus is painting a picture of, it's, it's just kind of foolish. It's kind of ridiculous. He's saying, yes, 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 I know, I know. <laughs> Almost in a, in a funny way, I, I know it, this is ridiculous, right? Unsalty salt? How foolish, Jesus is saying. Now think with me. If we refuse to do what salt is meant to do, to preserve, to change the flavor, to make thirsty, if we refuse all that he has given us to make people thirsty for a relationship with him, it's almost as the same, why am I here? There's no reason for me to be here. Why, why am I here? If that's not what we're doing, if I'm a follower of Jesus, and, and let me, if, if that's not what Stuttgart Harvest Church is doing, there's no reason for us to exist as a church. There's not. If, if, there's no reason at all, and, and it's just foolishness. It's ridiculous, Jesus is saying. You, oh, I, I hope you grasp what I'm about to say. God doesn't prove the truth of the gospel in books or in debates about theology. 
He doesn't prove the truth of Scripture in classes that we can take or in creeds that we claim. And listen to this. Not even does he prove the truth of the gospel in Scripture text alone. Because remember, there were no New Covenant writings for years after Jesus went to the cross and then went to heaven. No, no, no. Listen to this. The proof of the gospel lies in what the gospel does. If the gospel doesn't give life to the depressed, if it doesn't change the life and the values of the sinner, if it does not send light into the darkest places on this earth, if it does not transform the character and the nature of people, then it is left and uh, just to be thrown out because it's good for nothing. It has lost its saltiness. But before you get up, and before you leave, before you walk out, I want you to know none of that is true. Because the gospel does all of those things. May the preserving saltiness forever be upon you. In the name of the one who never changes for the gospel that never changes. May we have nothing to scatter in this life but Christ and him crucified. And may we fall on our knees and cry salty tears for our coworkers and our neighbors and everyone around us that needs Jesus. Through God's spirit, let's always be salt in their lives. Otherwise, according to Jesus, well, you're the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? The answer's it'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Jesus actually used a, a, a word here the worthless, the worthless word there. Could also mean manure. In fact, Luke quotes Jesus one time as saying that it's no good to anyone. It's not even good enough to be thrown away on a pile of manure, he says. In other words, salt that is not salty, Jesus says it is just simply worthless. Okay. Let's see if we can land this plane for today. And in doing so, we're going to land this plane for this entire series. The question, is this me or is it not me? Has Jesus described you or has he not described you? It is possible this morning and possibly even throughout this series that maybe you have discovered that you might need a change in your perspective and your thinking about living this life. And if so, okay, let's do that. 
with God's spirit and his help, let's begin to change our perspective about what happens every day as we walk outside of our homes and what happens as we go inside of our homes with our families. Let's think about that. Think about it from this perspective. If you, so you're going to have to use your imagination with me. If you died, God looked at you and he said that I'm going to permit you to go back to earth and to speak one more time with your children. One more time with your grandchildren, one more time with your neighbors, one more time I'm going to let you speak to the people at your job that you work with, to your family, to your friends, one more time with every person that you pass in Walmart, one more time. I'm going to permit that. So you go back, and here's my question, what would you say to them? Now with that same urgency, with that same tenderness, with that today, love, do that today. And do that tomorrow. And do that the next day, and the next day, and the day after that, every single day. Ask God to help you to be his grace and have it ready and have it able to salt the earth around you to preserve their lives in the hands of Jesus and to make them thirsty for a relationship with Jesus. Sadly, instead of salt that makes people thirsty for Jesus, so often we turn out to be a a ghost pepper or a California reaper, and we send people running every day. Let's be that salt. I want to close this series and close this morning with a quote from Charles Spurgeon. I don't agree with everything he's ever written. People don't agree with everything I've said or written, but I agree with this. Charles Spurgeon said, where do you put the salt? Why, of course, where there is something that without it will rot. Stuttgart Harvest Church, let's get out of the box and let's salt our world. Let's pray. God, there must be some tear where who will live right here where you've placed them. Who will live in that neighborhood, on that street, in that town, at that job, in that school, in that family. Someone who won't run away to a nicer place because they're uncomfortable. God, will you help us live right where we are? And may we stop here and fight the enemy until God gives us victory and help us 
help Stuttgart Harvest Church and help the church in Malvern forever be the salt that flavors and that preserves the world that you have given us so that we can see many, 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 many lives changed forever and safely, eternally in the hands of Jesus. And it is in that name that we pray this, the name of Jesus. Amen.